Um, Lauren, I, I've said this again when we were talking before we started uh, recording, but it's really good to see you over the over the you know three uh, years and some change since we yeah. were on Warped Tour together and stuff. How yeah. are you? I'm good. I'm just uh, you know I'm surviving. <laughs> yeah, your family's doing well. Your significant other is doing well. Um, yeah, well, everyone's good. Um, my parents are well. We're helping take care of my boyfriend's father, who's older and. Um, pretty immune compromised so we're we've been locked down you know pretty hardcore since march um so i've been out to la to work a few times but i always come back in quarantine for a few weeks so um but i'm finally out baby (laughs) (laughs) good no i'm sure it feels better to get out and you know just try to live your best life and during these unprecedented times were you basically um were you basically at a halt with the music industry all at the same time, or did was it when everything shut down? Probably around like March, April. Yeah, so we had just started a second leg of a world tour, March first. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, and we had a fully new production. Um, I think our rehearsal days started March second, and we were in Florida. I was visiting my parents live in St. Croix. I was visiting my parents and. It's um, we were visiting one of their friends and they're like, oh, you're not going to be on tour long. And I remember thinking, oh, this person's crazy. Yeah, like, fine. <laughs> um, we made it three shows in um, and we we played Miami, Orlando, Raleigh, and then everything got canceled. Um, that was the last show live show we did. So. It was, and our tour w- was officially fully canceled last week. So. Were, you, were you like from like your network? Were you like one of the first tours that kind of shut down, or did, did it happen incrementally? Because I know a lot of people right. were trying to keep it going, but we were among one of the last tours. Uh, Post Malone was doing a show in Denver the same day that we were doing our show in Raleigh, and his show got shut down um, that night. But ours we still did our show and I think you know you live in such a bubble when you're on tour especially once you're in rehearsals and you're starting a new production you're just working 20 hours a day um so we were really in a bubble none of us were watching news we were talking to promoters we were talking to venues and making decisions but I don't think any of us and I think looking back now you know I think most people could say no one really saw what was coming. No one saw the seriousness of it. it. There was definitely a vibe on tour after the first show that this probably wasn't going to last long and we'd have to cancel, you know, for a few months and then we'd be back. Um, but we were, I know there were some bands playing shows a few days after us, but we were one of the bigger productions to have yeah. a, a show on that day. So, and my boyfriend had just started a tour and they were in Canada and they, I think they stopped the same day we did. And, uh, we both came home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did. <laughs> Simultaneously. Like this is like, that was probably like the oddest moment for you and him and being like, how, what are the odds? Like that probably never happens, you know, for the time of both of you doing this for 10 plus years being in yeah, the industry. Yeah, definitely. So. I mean, you know, up until this year, it seemed like a great idea that we both worked in the music industry. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're both like, well, maybe we should have diversified, I guess. We weren't, we weren't thinking that the entire music industry would ever shut down. Um, 
And I've been lucky enough this year to do some one-offs um, in LA for um, different live streams and a DNC shoot and um, different late night show shoots that we've done um, and trying to figure that kind of production out in the COVID era, era has been really interesting, but our crew's done such an incredible job maneuvering and being safe and, and getting it figured out. So mm-hmm. I'm really thankful for those few things we've had because it definitely keeps me sane. Yeah, me too. You know? I, it was It's hard for everybody with uh, the musicians being out, but a lot of, a lot of your common fans don't, I mean, most of them know, but behind the scenes of the crew, like doing everything that, um, they don't see with their eyes or, or hear with their ears and it's just affecting everybody. So it's just, we're just yeah. patiently waiting to, I mean, and it, what over the years when you would be touring and such, like, uh, would you just go into like w- one year after the other, um, with uh, yeah. different, um, opportunities that you would get, or would you have like some kind of breaks in between like a couple months off or something? Kind of both. Um, It really depends, you know, if you're lucky enough to have one tour run into another and have it work out, um, then that's great. And honestly, the last three years or so, that's kind of what's happened for me is uh, Warp Tour in 2018. um, I was working for a nonprofit organization called FEND, and it was basically a movement that was educating kids about the opioid epidemic. And we kind of built that program from the ground up with this group from Australia. And uh, I was offered in the middle of that tour to go out with Drake to run VIP, which seemed like something I couldn't really pass up. So that was one of those situations where it didn't line up perfectly, but it ended up working out well because... I found somebody else. We were doing these backstage performances with different bands. So not only did I need somebody to run the tent, I needed somebody who could run a soundboard for some acoustic sets, um, which was what I was doing on the tour at that point. So I found somebody and hired them and we flew them in. And I went to the airport in Milwaukee to fly out that night. And the tour manager called me and he was like, hey, we haven't announced this yet, but the tour is being delayed at least two weeks. Um so then I went back to Warp Tour because I had nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> All reliable. You just got to go back, you know. And I was like, hey, gig, uh, you know? so I'm back. And, you know, we've been shorthanded all summer anyways. So now we have the correct amount of people <laughs> <laughs> to run this thing. And um, I I finished out Warp Tour except for the last two shows, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it ended up working out really well. And then I flew out um, and started the Drake tour in 2018. And then that went from July through December. That was a really long tour. Yeah. Um, got home in December. And then I did my first shows with Billy in January. And once I started with Billy, we never stopped. Um, right. It was just such a whirlwind um, with her. And we, we started doing small shows in Europe in the beginning of 2019 and it just snowballed from there. So I've really been on the road, you know, from the summer, early summer of 2018 up until March, 2020 nonstop. Yeah. That's great though. I mean, because you, did you get your start putting your foot in the industry with Warped Tour? Like, was that how you started? Yeah, sort of. Um, 
It's kind of a funny story. I was working at, I'd worked at Fuse um, Music Television Station when I was in college. I did an internship there and then they hired me for the next summer. Um, So I'd worked at Fuse for a little while and I realized I really loved the music industry and the television industry, but I was more interested in music. Um, Then when I graduated from college, I started working at the Metro in Chicago, the music venue. Mm And I did promotion and guest list and backstage hospitality. I kind of was like the utility player there. I just did whatever needed to be done. Um, Swiss Army knife, like just whatever needs to be done. like Totally, which yeah. honestly is still pretty much my job. With <laughs> Dude, um, <laughs> from what I've heard, you ex- they express like there's a lot of hats that you wear, no matter what gig yeah. you're putting yourself into, which is so super tight. Definitely. And I think you know, that's just in terms of working in music, most of it is just figuring out what's falling through the cracks and and where you fit in and just sitting there with a basket, just trying to catch everything that's falling through. (laughs) Mostly that's always been my job, either as a tour manager or or whatever I'm doing. But Mm -hmm. um, it was 2009 and I was going down to Bonnaroo um, to work with Fuse to do artist interviews. And one night, um, Kevin Lyman came into, it was like 2 a.m., and he came into our video tent with one of the A&R guys at Fuse, um, and they were just out watching shows and having a drink, and Kevin came in, and he's like, hey, how's it going? And I knew exactly who he was. I'd always wanted to go on tour, and I always blindly sent out my resume since I was like, 16 to anyone who was associated with Warp Tour. And uh, so he left. He was clearly having a good night and I wasn't going <laughs> to bother him. But the next day I talked to, to Dave, who had been hanging out with him. And, I, you know, I'd worked at Fuse for like a year at that point. And uh, I was young. I was 20 or 19, 20. I can't remember. And uh, I was like, hey, Dave, so you know Kevin? And he was like, oh, yeah, we're old friends. And I was like, you know, I've always wanted to work on Warp Tour, and I'd love to be able to talk to him. And Bonnaroo's in June, and Warp Tour started in a week at that at that time. And Dave's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll figure out a good time where you can talk to him. And I was like, oh, great, so probably at the end of the workday. We were in the middle of an interview with the National and Dave came and we were sitting up on a platform and I felt somebody grab my leg and I was just a PA. So I was just writing down time, time codes and stuff. And mm-hmm. he was like, we got to go now. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was covered in mud. I was so <laughs> sweaty. I looked disgusting. Like I was just, it, it's Bonnaroo in June, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh and yeah. <laughs> that day. And he's like, Kevin's ready. And so he, took me to Kevin, who was barbecuing behind his bus. Um, Not with, by that uh, point. Yeah. And uh, Sarah Bear was there at the time who um, worked alongside him, was basically, you know, a partner to him. And uh, he started just a- asking me questions while he was grilling. And I'm like, is this an interview? Is this- <laughs> like, what? what is going on? And uh, he, his first question was, so do you know what's in a mojito and (laughs) i was a pbr whiskey drinker at the time and i'm like it's got some sort of leaves and (laughs) it's got some sort of leaves i don't know like that fancy for me i don't know it's got leaves in it though and uh, that made him laugh and 
then he just started asking me a few other questions and um, Sarah hopped in and asked me a question and I was in the middle of answering and she's like, okay, stop, 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 stop. Can you come out to work tour next week? And I was like, yeah. And yes. she goes, okay, I'm going to book you a ticket. And I said, okay, what am I going to be doing? And Kevin was like, we don't know yet, but we'll figure it out. That's and, great. Um, but also terrifying. Up, yeah, it, it was, I was really excited. Um, and luckily, I was working at the Metro at that time, and they were really cool. They were like, you go on tour. You have a great time. Come back to us when you're done. We'll have you back in a heartbeat. So that was great. I've never been so scared to tell my boss something. like Because <laughs> they really they hired me the day I graduated college. And um, uh, they treated me yeah. so well there and I loved it. And I was, you know, I felt like I owed them a lot. And, uh, but they were great. You know, I, I worked there at the Metro, um, for a long time and I'd go out on tour and come back and, um, just go right back to work there. But, um, but yeah, so that was my start on work tour and Kevin ended up calling it head of special operations. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first like fall through the cracks job. He was like, you, are going to do all the things that everyone's overlooking and you're going to work with the nonprofits and get all the bands to be good people and do things that are good for the world. And, um, so we did, uh, create a skate where all the bands designed skateboards. We did build a drum where they designed drums. Um, we did the rock roll and recycle program. So we had all the bands donate like signed gear that was broken or that they were done using. Um, and then, uh, we did living the dream. So I ran the living the dream stuff that year. It was basically like make a wish where, you know, you bring kids that are ill in and you give them their, the best day ever, you know? So just stuff like that. Um, and it was my favorite year of warp tour. That was 2009. That was a really good year. Um, but yeah, so, and then I did it 10 years after that. I worked, worked tour till the last year. Yeah, because I'm sure you hopped around because you were basically running Skull Candy's tent entirely when uh, I met you when we were on for 10 days. So yeah. that was you, Bree, yeah. and Meg, which was a cool yeah. fucking time. But you were, uh, you guys, you guys like were no joke, man. Like we were so new to the scene and I was like, uh, we're just going to follow your lead. Just tell us what to do and we'll do it. And you're like, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, like, we were all pretty like hardened warp tour vets at that point. So I'm sure we were, we were a little intense, but, um, yeah, it, it, that was a fun year. That was 2017. Um, and I, I that was probably my most chill year on Warp Tour, where I felt like we were properly staffed and we had a good team and um, our work was manageable. And uh, yeah, that was crazy. Besides the tornado that came through that year, everything was pretty chill. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Seriously. I don't think I remember that at all. Um sure. Were you, you guys came on kind of in the middle, right? Yeah, so we came on, uh, we started out in Indiana. We went all the way down to Texas. So we hit Chicago, Kansas, uh, I think the three cities of Dallas. Yeah, you guys did the hard part. Yeah, it was brutal and hot. I mean, we were technically supposed to be on the East Coast, but we also heard that it, you know, it rained most of it. So I'm actually thankful that um, we had an opportunity to go out to the Midwest. And it's funny because I think that was one of our fifth or sixth tours because we were so new i think we were only like a year and a half almost two years old and uh our first weekender was up in canada with our boys and we were sharks in february 
like the brutal, most brutal cold winter in Canada, and then the following the year we're in Warped Tour, hottest summer of the year. So I think we were doing things right. I don't know. <laughs> you never know. That's I, the thing. Nah, I'm sure you yeah. were. <laughs> yeah, and you guys were great. There was a couple times where we had to do something, and uh, you you would you just help sell our stuff while we were out doing something, or um, mm-hmm. yeah. you would someone would contact us. Uh, you would contact our manager and be like, there's like a line for signings, but like you guys don't have sign times. I'm like we're underground. Like, I don't think we were supposed to have sign times. So that's we'll the great thing about work tour though, is like anyone can play a show and, and have a bunch of kids see, and then they have a signing line that's 200 kids long. You know, you just never know. No, you never know. It's, it's crazy. And, um, no, we were just so well, the barbecues were my favorite dude. Like those oh, were always okay. a good time. And, and Brie actually won, uh, prom queen for warp 2 so like he did was, yeah yeah i was there for she's that shit the the biggest ray of sunshine i've ever met in my entire life she's incredible <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen her sad once ever. no no, <laughs> no. not a frown <laughs> God, I, I miss those days um did you ever see a difference from the experience of having warp tour when uh stages would be taken away or there were um uh, i guess uh less attendees coming to warp tour did you see any like differences over the years from your experience when warp tour started to retire yeah you know starting in 2009 i saw a ton of changes um along the way and i'm sure you know it's even more intense because there's so many people who've worked on that tour since the beginning which is crazy i mean i i say i worked 10 years on the tour and that pales in comparison to like a lot of the stage managers um and you know, a lot of the bands even who come back and do it every year. But in 2009, the tour was definitely a punk rock tour. Um, Bad Religion, Anti-Flag, Bouncing Souls. There was old school punk rock stage, the Angry Samoans, TSOL. Um, You know, it was much more in that vein. No Effects was on that year, um, who I have a great story about. Oh, that's Um, awesome. (laughs) Having a job of just doing whatever Kevin wants you to do. Um, <laughs> and you just don't but, say no, you just do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I'll, I'll tell you guys that one in a second. It's one <laughs> of my favorite Warped Tour stories. But uh, so it was super punk rock. And also, it used to be a lot longer than when you guys did it. It used to be a solid three-month tour. At the end, it was two months. Um, we started running in at the end to kids going back to school. So there would be less kids, but not, you know, a considerable amount less but the tour would start at the very beginning of june and it would go to the very end of august and um it always stopped like a day or two before my birthday which is august 26 so i'd be in the throes of tour depression on my birthday every year for like oh, until it shortened <laughs> but uh yeah and you know 2009 2010 is really it changed quite a bit after my first year the 2010 was like bring me the horizon um headlining and a day to remember so it really turned quickly and that year was still big you know there was still a mix of punk bands on it like punk punk bands um but less so and then you know as the years went on you know you saw the stages starting to go away like the old school punk stage um 
I can't remember. I think there were always two main stages. I think there was always talks of just consolidating to one stage, but it never happened. Um, but yeah, it definitely got a little hairy there for a while, like 2013, 14, 15. Um, it just really changed in terms of music and in terms of attendance. Um, it, it was hard to see. Um, and that said, it was still a highly successful tour. Absolutely. It, it tons of kids coming out. Absolutely. It, it was still massive, but in comparison to what it had been, it, it had changed quite a bit. But It definitely evolved. I think that was mostly metalcore, because I do remember playing like a small local battle of the bands in 2013, and it was uh, Bring Me the Horizon, August Burns Red, Asking Alexandria, yep. For Today, like just all metalcore, which yeah. is fine, but that's what the kids wanted, you know? Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I think part of it, too, in the end, and I'm sure Kevin, when you talk to Kevin, probably told you this, Warp Tour used to be such a unique traveling festival. And the festival market really began to get saturated in 2012, 2013, 2014. Um, kids had a lot more choices to make in terms of what festivals they were going to. And, and they're expensive, you know, so... Yeah. Kids can't go to everything. And even though Warp Tour always kept their ticket price low, you know, I think the market was just fully saturated with music and festivals. And, and you know, if you can go to a festival with some air-conditioned tents versus Warp Tour and you're yeah. not a super hardcore fan, especially if you're in Dallas or, or one of those places where it's really, you know, it's like a battle getting through Warp Tour some days, um, then, you know, you can understand why people might, choose to go to a different festival um just for comfort reasons but you know it's it was hard to see on in a lot of ways because i'm when i went to warp tour i was a punk rock kid you know my bands are bad religion and anti-flag and the bouncing souls and all of those guys like those were my bands so mm. for me it's hard because i can't really look at it with a um you know i'm definitely a little um what's the word biased anti-flag i think was on the tour when we were together as well yeah um, and all those were. bands so there was a good amount of punk bands yeah yeah absolutely i mean they always kept it punk there were always punk bands on just you know less and less and it was i mean kevin really went the direction of what kids were wanting and you know what his demographic wanted which was really smart smart um, yeah it's super smart to do that yeah so you know it's it's an ever-evolving market of music things change and and festivals have to change with it and that's just how it is you know and with something as big as warp tour it would have died so much sooner, you know, had it not evolved. So mm. it was, you know, seeing the evolution of it from the inside was really interesting. And sometimes it was exciting and sometimes it was sad. And, you know, you always cling on to, I find this with a lot of warp Tour people, you're always chasing your first year because the first year is always the best. You're just, everything's so full of wonder and joy. And it's like, you finally, you're on warp Tour and, so I think a lot of me was always like looking for what that first year was, you know, not that I didn't enjoy every single year. There were some years that were more fun than others and some years that were way more stressful than others. Um, but yeah, uh, for me, 2009 was like just the absolute best. So when you did it in 2009, like what did you have like a moment where 
because you said like the first year for a lot of people, all the alumni, it's, it's mostly just chasing. Is there a day or a, a time where you remember where you actually like felt comfortable, like this is where I'm supposed to be and I'm doing everything I'm supposed to, like the way I'm supposed to be doing it? Hmm. Or have you never gotten that? <laughs> no, I have. I've definitely gotten that. I mean, I think I felt at home on Warped Tour right away. Like, I think I got there, you know, growing up, you know, being kind of a punk rock kid, you're always kind of looking for your place to exist because you're a little out of the norm or out of the mainstream. And, you know, I played sports growing up. I played sports in high school and college. And I found, you know, people who I loved and who are have been my friends for a long time now. But I think getting to Warp Tour, you're like, these are my people. This is like yeah. a world that I feel like I belong to. And it combined with the fact that I love to travel, it was like the most exciting thing. Because not only did I get to travel and make money, but I got to be around my people and, and people that really understood me. Um, so honestly, I think the first day I got to Warp Tour, I felt I was like, this is right. This is like, that's what amazing. I want to do. This is where I belong. I always thought I wanted to be on tour. Um, and Warp Tour really cemented that for me. It's like, you know, people always tell you if you can get through Warp Tour, you can get through any tour. Um, <laughs> because Warp Tour that. is brutal. Yeah, yeah. It can be brutal. And, uh, you know, I, I felt, you know, halfway through the tour, I was like, God, I could do this forever. This is great. I just get to <laughs> hang out with my friends all day. And. <laughs> <laughs> and work you know yeah, and work yeah that's how uh, we're like with the band too because uh, i told them i was like yo i mean honestly we're kind of gifted with the sponsorship so take it all in man like that yeah. little bandwagon we got we weren't in like a hot van or anything so i was like res respect like what we have for the opportunity and they and they totally did too but um some yeah. of the other bands that we met like microwave or um, our last night, they're like, where'd you guys come from? And I'm like, oh, you know, and gave them our little spiel in our story and like, they would just start chilling with them. So it seemed like the community was very open to newcomers in general, like us, as well yeah. as um, so much respect for the crew in itself. Because we would be out there trying to do something for this whole Canyon stage or with your tent as well. I mean, that's what we do. We're just a big community to get the show on the road constantly. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, those... It's like getting through hard things with a group of people really bonds you forever. And the thing that Warp Tour really did for me is is it gave me a group of people who I know will always be there for me no matter what because you know, you get through so much together and you have to work. The only way you get through it is to work together with people. You know, if there's any break at the seams, it's not gonna work. You know, like yeah. you go back, your bus has to work. You know, you can't, you know, have disagreements with people all the time when you're living on a bus and you're, you know, during the day, you have to be able to work with your coworkers because you're setting up a lot of gear and a lot of equipment and you have to communicate. And, you know, you do have times where things aren't working great, but you always have to work it out and figure it out. So I think, you know, for me, that was something about Warp Tour that was really special was like, you got to get through it together because there's no way not to. That's true. It was hard to get drunk on tour because it was so hot. It was just pour out of my... <laughs> oh, you know what? Anxiety my drinking anxiety on warp tour like i would always go have some drinks at the end of the night but the whole time this little voice in the back of my head would be like you're gonna be sorry tomorrow <laughs> that's so true. seven in the morning 
the whole time. Like, just, I've never had anxiety about drinking in my life, except on Warp Tour, where it's like, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm already severely dehydrated. <laughs> oh, that, that is the worst kind of hangover, too, when you've, like, been in the hot heat all day. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. For, um, for your years on Warp Tour, was there ever uh, any distinct moments, like you said, because uh, you got to meet some of your heroes oh, yeah. uh, in the first years? Did you ever have like those moments where it's like, oh, shit? <laughs> yeah, I actually, so <laughs> my first year, um, we were in Phoenix, Arizona. And that year, NoFX had a clause in their contract where... For every degree it was over 100 degrees when they played, oh boy, they got a thousand <laughs> extra dollars for the guarantee. Yeah, that's a smart business. That's what that yeah, is. It move. is. I mean, you know, I get it. it. You know, as you get older, Warp Tour gets a lot harder. So. <laughs> and those are some weathered musicians too. So. Oh man, yeah. Speaking of hangovers, yeah. Um, but Kevin would always put them on at a time where it wouldn't be hot, you know, either, you know, in the morning or usually last thing at night. But we were in Phoenix, Arizona, and he put them on last, but it was still 105 degrees. And it was the first time that he was going to have to pay them out. So he went to some bank and withdrew (laughs) something close to five grand, which would have been their guarantee. And he handed me a bag of money. <laughs> he was like, are you free right now? And I was like, I, I guess I am. And he's like, all right, we're going to the NoFX show. And you're going to stand in the barricade. And you're going to throw this money when I say the word. And so we got down at the barricade. And Mike finished singing a song. And Kevin went out on stage. And I still didn't really understand what was happening. And Kevin explained the whole thing. He's like, so it's 105. So they get a bonus of $5,000. And um, I figured since Fat Mike was such a man of the people that he'd want to share his bonus with you. So I brought my friend here and we grabbed a few other people along the way to help distribute that. And so then we started just throwing all the cash oh, yeah. into the no way. That's And I remember yeah. thinking, I saw Mike looking at me like, who the fuck is this? And <laughs> I was like, this man is going to hate me for the rest of his life. And he is one of my punk rock heroes. <laughs> Mike, please, for the love of God, my boss told me to do this. Like, Oh, that's yeah, so this isn't my decision. I'm the head of special operations. What do you want me to do? I'm not going to say no. Nobody says no to Kevin Lyman. That's a fact. Yeah, if so. someone hands you a bag of money, you just go with them. You know, you just, yep. you're not going to be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't no, want to wait until next year or something. What's that? I, just, I don't know. Like, you wait until next year. We'll do it next year. It's like, no, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Mm, Kevin's yeah. his bag of tricks, his bag of money, dude. He's just he. That's who he is, man. Like he's just yeah. he's, he's very nutty too. Like um, he get, when he first met us on day two at the barbecue, like I was starting to get a little tipsy. I mean, they tempt me. You give a free case of beer, like every day, <laughs> and a free case of Monster Water, which I lost when we flew back to um, New Jersey. I was so pissed, but a free case of beer at PBR. I'm not passing that up. Nobody else wants to really drink. They were they were more smokers. <laughs> So our supervisor on the bus and I would drink, but uh, yeah, we played like um, knockout with them and had a good time. Had stuff at the barbecue. I got wasted. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> those barbecues so epic. I mean, 
Kevin, I don't understand how a man works so hard and then can hang at the end of the night so hard. <laughs> like he is a machine. It's absolutely yep. incredible. Like, I mean, there were, I can count like I would need more than two hands to count the number of times we've crowd surfed that man during a barbecue. Like <laughs> <laughs> it seems like nights always ended with Kevin crowd surfing across the barbecue. Like uh, just absolutely the the best guy. He's, yeah. You know, such such a person to look up to for me. So, you know, and he really gave me my shot. You know, I, I don't think it's hard enough to get on tour. Um without having any experience, you know? So he really was the person who, you know, gave me a chance and he didn't even know me, but that's Kevin. I mean, yep. he's willing to give anyone a chance and then another chance and then another chance. So, yeah. That's how um, I felt with him. Honorary first guest on this podcast. I'll never forget it. And like that honestly opened up doors for me because people like, if Kevin's going to be on, like this guy might have something to say. I don't know. So yeah. God bless you, Kevin. I think I know his secret, maybe, because I viewed it every day for 10 days, 11 days. He was always getting yeah. a massage, like, <laughs> somewhere yeah. in the AC. So that might be his secret, like, yeah. to keep himself running. Because he'd ride you know his bike what? and then a massage. and then that, that, One of the things that changed about Warp Tour, we, in, in the days when I started, we had a shiatsu masseuse that was out on tour the whole time with us. Mm. And, like, you paid her, you know, like yeah. to fix you. But in a way, you know, she was really, she kept a lot of us going, you know, like if, if someone's shoulder was out of place or hip or whatever, like she tests, she was incredible. And now I think she tours with bad religion, but oh man, that was such a perk, you know, to <laughs> her out on tour. <laughs> yeah. All that walking all that hot walking and just you're on asphalt yeah. all day or concrete yeah, yeah there was a year i worked for vans and i can tell i went through so many shoes that year unbelievable just walked through 10 pairs of vans oh, God, I, can <laughs> I remember as soon as we uh started thinking about getting ready for tour in general because only for 10 days so it wasn't anything crazy so we had to like get our merch ready we had no guarantees because we had the sponsorship with skull candy so you know we were just like Let's promote the best way we can. And a friend of mine, like, uh, who kind of helps me with the podcast every once in a while, Pat, he was suggesting, like, dude, get those fidget spinners because those things fucking are so hip now. Like, bro, like, I get it. But at the same time, like, I don't know. Like, and just for some reason, it's like, no. Like, let's just not do it. And I told the guys, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Let's, we don't have to do fidget spinners, whatever. Merch, whatever. It's t shirts, basketball shorts, hats. And then we get to the tour. I'm like, oh my God, thank God, because you guys were doing this huge deal where you, take a picture and hashtag skull candy and you give away free fidget spinners it was like dude we would have been in the hole like three hundred dollars yeah. just out of fidget spinners <laughs> god all those fidget spinners are probably at the bottom of a landfill somewhere dude, honestly, i still have one i know you can't see it right now but i still have this little doohickey man i have so much stuff from that tour it's insane uh, yeah oh i just opened an old warp tour box a few days ago that i found in our storage space and it was full of a lot of different treasures so it was <sighs> that's awesome wild. 10 years worth right i think yeah oh my okay. god yeah just so much every once in a while i find like a box of unused vans sitting around somewhere that i brought home from tour so yeah all kinds of crazy stuff it's just it's too much too many years of memories that's so cool i fucked up my chucks on that tour I think it was like day four or five. They were completely done. 
yeah. completely done. Never take any clothing or shoes you care about on Warp Tour. They will be destroyed. Just yeah. Yeah. I learned yeah. the hard no way. Chance. I was like, we yeah. gotta go to a um some kind of shopping center. Like, can we go Uber somewhere or take the the bandwagon somewhere? And then our uh, our like supervisor guy Ross or Uncle Ross was his um when he was all messed up and shit he was like no we'll go to hooters first and then we get your shoes i was like okay cool like, <laughs> whatever we went to hooters like three or four times on my, sh- on my tour i was like god man like i love wings but dude it's starting to really get to me <laughs> but, but <dude. laughs> oh man well you know it's nice to get something other than catering though <laughs> oh god that catering was pretty good for uh oh my experience incredible. dude like yeah honestly i went uh Warp Tour helped me go vegan because one year I was like, you know, I'm just gonna take the plunge and give it a try if someone's gonna cook me the food every day. And I was like, wow, I can pretty much eat just how I was eating just vegan after eating a summer on of Warp Tour catering. Yeah, they're they're great. They they have truly the hardest jobs on the tour. It's I don't know how they do it. It's unbelievable. That and stage crew too. Stage crew is oof, like crack of dawn crazy sleep i guess yeah. during the day and then at night you're breaking down but... yeah yeah the hours are bonkers so <clears throat> no it's crazy and i mean through getting opportunities and, and and networking like within um you know all the hats that you wear with like tour managing and special operations and like there's just so much that you do in general which is so sick like how does one become um getting an opportunity for going on tour with like these arena tours like when you're on tour with billy or drake like how does that usually um come about when the opportunity arises like how do you usually go about that you know that's a really good question um i I think in general it's kind of hard to make the leap from touring you know thousand fifteen hundred cap venues to arena touring And there's a few reasons for that. Um, When you get to the arena level, people are hiring out vendors for lighting, for audio, for staging, for everything, rigging. Um, So there's companies you hire as a production manager, as a tour manager, and they have their own staff they bring in. Um, And a lot of those people have never been on tour in a van and have never been on tour playing Thousand Cap you know um shows and you know all those guys know is arena touring so i think in a way you know breaking in is kind of hard because there's a limited amount of positions for independent workers on arena tours it's a hundred percent possible i mean for me i did it through networking and it was almost all people who i'd met on warp tour who had moved on and and made it to that level that gave me all my chances. So, um, you know, with Drake, um, a woman I'd met on Warp Tour in like 2011, you know, kind of, you know, submitted me for that. And for Billy, um, Brian Marquis, who was an artist on Warp Tour in a band called Therefore I Am, and then moved to doing um, some solo acoustic shows and running an acoustic basement tent um he was the guy who hired me for billy um Mm. so you know it's all and i think with almost all music it's all through 
networking and the, and the people, you know, and, you know, I, I've set my resume out a hundred times over and all of my opportunities have come from my friends, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's all it is. Um, which is daunting at first, you know, when, especially when you're younger, you know, for me, people would always tell me it's really important to network. And I wish they'd just said, just make friends. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously, because that's basically that's what it is. Point. Yeah, yeah. Because the word networking seems so serious and so corporate it and does. so like daunting. And hundred percent, I hate that word. I've said it, I think, yeah. a couple times before, but yeah, yeah. It's but if somebody had just been like, just make friends and chill with people and hang out, you know, and. Yeah, just be a good person. It like it yeah. pays so many more dividends in every just industry. Fully, yeah. Just work hard, and you know, keep don't not necessarily keep your head down, but don't cause trouble, and and be nice and make friends, and that's really all it is, you know. And that combined with just being so stubborn that you never give up, you know. Mm. I had a few times where I was like. I was, I'm going to stop touring. Like I was, I started, especially 2013, 2014, I was doing a lot of like soul sucking marketing gigs and I couldn't find anything I wanted to do. And I was looking at going to grad school and I started bartending again, you know, um, back at home so I could get off the road and go back to school. And, um, it was Warp Tour that dragged me back in and, yeah. you know, I had convinced myself that it wasn't going to work and I'd been trying for five years, which to me at the time as a 25 year old felt like a really long time. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, you know, I just don't think it's going to work. I can't keep doing it. And, um, luckily that year I got a really incredible offer for Warp Tour doing a soul sucking marketing gig. Um, but it was on Warp Tour, and all my friends were there, and it was on tour. And shortly after that Warp Tour ended, I was able to start tour managing some bands. I just got some breaks, and I look back at it now, and I realize I'm like, man, I have had so many friends quit the music industry after five years or six years uh, because they work so hard, and then you just don't get where you want to be, and. I think it's especially hard, you know, as a woman trying to break into tour managing, you know, one of the very first times I tour managed a band, I swear to God, every single day I got off the bus, the person at the venue would be like, ah, a woman tour manager. And I'm like, it's so fucking ignorant, dude. Like, what do you mean? Like, oh, I'm sorry. Is this a fucking unicorn standing in front of you? No, dude. Like, yeah, I I had that. I had that situation come up last night, actually. This is so funny. So, uh, my wife, we just got like new windows installed in the house. I know it's so much more boring than actually talking about tour stuff, but like to give like it's 2020 now, like we've moved forward as a society. I don't care yes. how old you are. Correct. And she called the door guy because we had like a draft coming in on the window and she's walking through. the. It's a minor problem. The guy on the phone, I overhear him. He goes, is your husband around? Can I talk to him really fast? And it's like and in my head, I'm just like. Oh, like really, dude? Like it's just it's so ignorant. Like immediately yeah. lost business. Immediately. Oh, I love that shit. Come at me with that. I don't associate with people who are just on that fucking, you know, mindset still of just ignorance and you know, in their eyes they don't think it's sexism, but technically it is. So I try to like 
avoid that. I've I've had stories of that too, but I just fucking yeah. hate it. But that I'm sure when you started going to these venues, you're like, uh, and and then you start hearing it every day. That would make my blood boil. I don't know that's what that's like. Thing. When it's an anomaly, it's easier to deal with. Um, yeah. When it's every day, and you're like, "Am I really that like rare out there?" Like, and and in 2015, 2016, there were some women tour managers, but there weren't a lot. There definitely no. weren't. Now, things in the last five or six years have changed so dramatically. I think, and there's still a long way to go for women in the music industry, um, but. Things have changed for the better. You know, our production manager for Billy is a woman, um, which is really incredible when she kicks so much ass. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of women on tour, um, which I love so much. It's really the first time I've been on tour and had other women around. And I God, I love it. It's it's awesome. So, yeah, but it's incredible. I mean, it's that sentiment is still around, you know pretty hardcore um but it's it's less and less and you know i love seeing the injection of of more and more women into high places in the music industry um and that's one thing not to go back to warp tour again um but that's one thing kevin really had his finger on the pulse with hiring women like he his whole production staff for the most part were women like yeah. Yep. And he gets it. He's always got it. He's he's always surrounded himself with really like smart, strong, powerful women who know how to get a job done, which I always loved, you know. Um, and that's when the tour was the most efficient. Like when he had a cabinet full of like those powerful women who knew exactly what they're doing and they do they just do it, you know, as best as they already are doing. So I don't know, like it's just hard to fathom that people just still have that ignorance, but yeah. Yeah, it, it is tough. But I, I do see things changing in a really positive way. And, you know, there's obviously still a long way to go, but we're getting there, um, you know, step by step. So that's nice. I hear a lot less of like, oh, a woman tour managing with like total shock in people's voices. So. <laughs> that shit makes me heated so much. Like, cause I'll never know what that's like. So like, I'll get heated. And I'm like, are you fucking like I'll scream, dude. Like, uh, like especially if I experience it. Like, I'm not gonna get too into too many deep stories that I've experienced, but uh, I see red. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I, you can't see me now, but uh, I'm sure the audience <laughs> can. But I'm like a tomato right now, dude. I just get so fucking yeah. heated, man. I can't, dude. I just, oh man. Oh. Thank you God know, that we're evolving. Point, yeah, it gets to the point where you're like. If you feel that way, I'd rather you say something out loud so I can address it with you because, yeah. you know, I, and I still get a lot of a lot of comments in especially walking around arenas and stuff where like, you know, you're just not taken seriously sometimes. And I'm, it's not all the time, but, you know, I get so fucking sick of, you know, dealing with something really serious and and which we do a lot and hearing a fucking security guy go, Hey, why don't you smile? And it's like, well, I'm at fucking work and somebody was just assaulted. So no, I'm good. Like I'm good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Jesus. But yeah. So anyways, but I'd rather people, I'd rather those people open their mouths and make themselves sound dumb. So I can be like, you know why that sucks? Let me tell you. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I was talking to that with the past couple guests who I'm friends with in the uh, local music industry, long story short, for um, Underground. Uh, Female-fronted women in all-male bands. Uh, or that they're they're uh, the they're uh, you know they don't identify as female fronted, but like that's how they are addressed at venues or they are addressed at shows or it's like, yeah. uh, were you like the groupie or some shit like that's that shit still happens. Uh, oh, yeah, hundred yeah, percent because the band the, the rest of the band are uh, males, so um, we had like a talk back in a further episode. I was like, the best thing to do is honestly just like have the conversation as soon as it happens. You have that conversation and like. Yeah like you don't just like saying nothing is not a solution like you have to say something in order to somewhat educate that person of their ignorance and if they still don't get it fuck them they suck but like what are you gonna do yeah and you know that's that person's incentive to whether they want to do that or not sometimes it's exhausting and sometimes it's it's not the right time and sometimes you have to deal with a million other things and you're like oh cool one more thing on my plate to deal with but yeah it's for the most part i find that you know i try to be as gentle as possible about it but um i find most of the time people are willing to listen and hear what you have to say and hopefully absorb a little bit of it you know um but you know more and more that's going to be especially with the way women have been progressing in the music industry, I feel like the last few years, that is going to just become such an out-of-date sentiment so quickly. Yep. Uh, um, for example, one of my favorite new up-and-coming acts that I've never heard of before, they're like a uh, uh, pop-punk, I want to say, like that easy core stuff. They're called... Um, uh, I know... I, I don't want to butcher the name... So it's something at the altar, something at the altar, um, all females. And the first thing I see in the comments uh, is, oh, they remind me of Paramore. I'm like, no, they don't. They don't sound nothing <laughs> like Paramore, dude. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, it's first of all, it's three women that are fucking good at their venue or at their, um, their instrument. And they sound nothing like Paramore. I don't know where your game is from. Like, it just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's, you know, it'll always be out there in, in one way or another, but, you know, it's, I try to focus on the things that have changed more than anything, you know. Yeah, so. Meet me at the altar. Sorry, ladies. Altar, I check. put them on repeat all the time. They're actually on my Spotify playlist. They're so good. Yeah. And they just got signed to Opalus or what's the other one? Fueled by Ramen. I think they said I got signed to Fueled oh, by nice. Ramen. Yeah. Once we, get, once we get back to like a normal kind of a schedule, whenever that's going to be, hopefully it's kind of soon. Um, I know that we you kind of like touched on it earlier that you were saying that Vans Warp Tour was kind of like a great stepping stone for a lot of people to get into the industry and do what you do. Um, what would be your your firsthand advice of what people can do now if this is something that they're interested in? Sure. Um, oh, it's hard. You know, I'd say the best thing to do is just to find a friend in a band and and hop in the van and and get some experience you know um and it doesn't really matter you know probably you know the smaller the better when you start you know everyone knows somebody in a band at this point i feel like yeah <laughs> and i think once touring starts back up you know the most important thing is showing that you can be on the road because it seems like a glamorous lifestyle in a lot of ways and it's not in any sense of <laughs> of 
anything glamorous. Um, so it takes a certain type of person to be able to tour. And part of the hard part of getting on tour is people take a really big risk on you when they take you on the road. And being able to see that you can live in a van and sleep on a floor and eat, you know, peanut butter and jelly for three meals, um, you know, that means a lot. So, you know, that would be my my advice is just to hop in wherever you can with whoever you can and just go for it. Um, and, you know, start out easy. Don't start with a three month tour, you know, yeah. start with, a, <laughs> you know, doing an East Coast tour for a week or something like, you know, I, I've in 2014 when I was having a hard time, my friend Koji, um, who's a solo artist who's really incredible. Um, he was in Pittsburgh and we were having coffee and I was like, dude, I'm just having the hardest time finding tours and getting on tours. And he's like, well, I'm leaving in my Honda Civic to go down to Fest and play some shows along the way. You want to come? And <laughs> I just hopped in his car and we went on like a two week tour in his Honda Civic. And he's like, you can be my tour manager. You can just, you know, just do the routing. You get, get everything settled ahead of time. And he's like, there you go. You got a tour. So, you know, I'd say just being open to whatever comes your way and also kind of being aggressive and in, in figuring it out, you know, mm. always take no for an answer. Don't feel, even if you feel like you can't do it, prove it to yourself. Like if you're sitting there thinking, no, I can't go on tour. I can't, I won't be able to do it. You don't know that you've never tried it. So you know, it's better to try and fail and know than never try and think, well, maybe I could have, you know. Um, and it is. It's definitely not for everybody. It's hard. And at every level, it's hard. Even at the arena level, you know, when you're on a bus, it's it's still really difficult. And it's difficult in different ways. Um, but it takes a certain type of resilient you know, person who loves to be around people a lot yeah. and who can stay positive and, and handle a great deal of stress all the time. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, give it a go any way you can is what I'd say. And then uh, at some point in time, maybe you're doing a real choice with Billie Eilish. That yeah. could be <laughs> the, uh, you know, outcome. Yeah, for all it, of could it, be. You know? it could be. Yeah. How, how has that experience been? I was uh for you and the crew before shutdown because when I saw a post on Instagram, dude, I was so psyched for you. I was like, damn, man. I was like, I I just love seeing other people succeed. It thrives yeah. me. Yeah, you know, it's been crazy. Um, I started with her at the very beginning of 2019 when she was still, um, she was still small, but she was starting to to blow up. So yeah. <laughs> we went over to Europe in February, which is like, um, so rad, but Europe in February is rough. It is gray. It's like always like 40 and raining. And it was a rough tour, um, for everybody. Um, it's a few months, I think it might've just been a month. It felt like a few months. Um, <laughs> we were playing like eight, 500 to 800 cap venues. Um, we had two buses, we had a pretty big production that didn't really fit in any of these small European venues. Um, so it was a struggle every day, you know, and at that point, Brian, the tour manager had hired me and he's like, you know, I just need, I need an assistant tour manager to help me tour manage. I need somebody to help take care of Billy and her family. Uh, you know, they need, they just, 
you know, they need somebody to kind of look after them and make sure they're, they're good. And I need somebody to take care of the crew. So like a production coordinator, I, you know, we don't have any backstage, anything, um, you know, so, and, and I also need somebody to do the VIP program. Oh my so, God, Lauren. That's so yeah. much, dude. I'm like stressed <laughs> as you're talking about this. Like, yeah. Ugh. So, you know, I was like, oh, great. This is perfect for me. You need me to do eight jobs. I love <laughs> doing eight jobs. <laughs> um, and that's actually been the running joke up until the last arena tour we started is I was still doing a lot of that, um, which is great. And I love, but we finally, finally hired you know, a production coordinator, a backstage coordinator, a VIP person. Um, you know, when we started in Europe, we didn't even have a production manager. It was all just rolled into the tour management. Wow. Um, and our audio guy was doing a lot of the carnets and um, production management <sighs> stuff. But we were all chipping in because it was a lot. Mm -hmm. Was that unexpected because everything started to blow up so quickly in like a matter of like not even weeks? You know, they were ready for it, I think, That's in awesome. a way. It did get a little crazy at times because all these small venues, you just park the bus on the street, you know, and um, yeah. all the shows were sold out. And as we were going, things started getting bigger and bigger. And there was a venue we were at in Copenhagen called Vega, which is a really oh, incredible venue and um, 800 cap. They keep a, a waiting list for people um, if tickets get canceled or anything. This 800 cap venue had a 8,000 person waiting list. Oh my God. And people just came to the venue. People flew there. Like anytime you stepped outside, people were just like, please help. I flew from Israel. I don't have tickets. Like it was wild that it was such a wild tour. And we never, we had one day off on the whole tour. Um, oh my God. And Billy didn't even get that day off because she did press. So yeah. Yeah. You know, it was it was a wild time. It was pretty crazy. But in a lot of ways, it was like Warp Tour where it bonded our crew so close. Because trauma bond. <laughs> trauma bond is 100% right. I mean, we got through it together for sure. Like, we all were struggling at the end. It, it was tough. It was early mornings, late nights. I mean, Bill, she, uh, she had press on top of everything. I mean, she killed it on that tour. And, you know, she she suffers from, um, she sprains her ankles a lot. Her and I have the same, like, <laughs> crazy, weird ankles. And um, yeah. she had a sprained ankle. She had shin splints. Mm. Um, she you was down, she's yeah. like 18, dude. Damn, that sucks. Yeah, it was brutal for her. But she was such a trooper. And, you know. I've never been on tour with a teenager, and that was a learning experience for me, too. At the time, she was 17. She just turned 17. Mm -hmm. um, so that was like, you know, living on a bus with a teenager. I had no idea what it was going to be like. And, you know, at the end of the night, I'd want to have a beer, and I'd be like, am I allowed to have a beer in front of a teenager? <laughs> I guess I'll just have some orange juice. You know? <laughs> Splash but, of vodka, who knows? Nobody. Yeah. But that tour was bonkers. And we look back at it, and Brian, our tour manager, he doesn't even remember a lot of it because he's like, I think I've honestly just blocked it out. It yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, so much on that tour was, I look back on it, and I'm just like, God, how did how did we get through it? How did we do every show? How did it all work? You know, but it yeah. did. 
and as a young teenager she seems like super intelligent um very humble wholesome like she seems like she'd be very easy to work with in this industry in itself it's insane i mean she is so incredible i can't believe i forget she's 18 you know like because she's so mature for her age dude yeah she is always thinking about other people she's all like she's a trooper she can get through anything i mean she some of the stuff we went through on tour i looked at her and i'm like god if i were 17 and going through this i would never (laughs) ever make it like i wouldn't yeah she blows my mind all the time i mean she is just incredible so. That's so refreshing to hear that like she actually lives up to that because she definitely has like that uh that charisma about it like she's definitely wise beyond her years kind yeah, of thing sure. but she's definitely different than at least from like an artistry perspective of how a person at her age usually conducts themselves and usually how they you know how they how they act and exemplify who they are so it's really it's I can't imagine what stories you must have of like the <laughs> the trials and tribulations of going on tour as a teenager and yeah. that and that overnight success is like social media is just allowing people to get famous so quickly yeah mm. definitely yeah and like i i'm 33 and i social media started getting big when i was in college but i can't imagine having social media as a teenager like no, how no. fucked up would that be like no. i can't it's just her she just has this ability to see things with so much perspective for somebody her age you know and that's i think in terms of like a lot of the damage social media does to kids it's because they have yeah, so yeah. Much perspective and she just she's got it man like it's nuts uh, it and a lot of it's her family you know she's always surrounded by her family her brother her parents um you know they they all complement each other and ground each other so well so it's just, yeah, it's such, I think about it all the time, like how lucky I am to have ended up with an artist like her who, you know, really cultivates an environment for their crew that's supportive and caring and like touring is always stressful, but an artist can make it way better or way worse, you know, and she, she is just, a dream to work for she's really awesome does her brother usually come on tour i know like that's her producer in itself and they work together all the time but yeah he's in the band mm-hmm. um okay. she he plays guitar and keys and um then we have a drummer as well so he's mm-hmm. on tour all the time um yeah phineas he's great too that's i think this is a i think this is a great opportunity for you to name drop all the terrible artists to work with <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. Oh, my God. Uh, Poeta. There's this band, Poeta, that was on Warped Tour for like 10 days. Dude, they were fucking scumbags. No, I'm oh, sorry. That's so that's crazy to evil. think that a person that's that was in their teenage years and still is a teenager is, pro- is arguably <clears throat> the easiest person to work with. <laughs> arguably, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's. Uh, I was really scared in a lot of ways because... I know how to handle people pretty well, but I don't know how to handle teenagers or kids. Like, kids scare the shit out of me. <laughs> um, so, you know, going on tour for the first time, I was like, Jesus, what, how, like, I mean, I I really did walk into a best case scenario for what, you know, it could have been. So, I feel lucky for that every day. That's so cool. 
That's so cool. Yeah. yeah, and hopefully hopefully this industry resumes eventually. I mean, like now we're technically in a they say it's a second wave, but it's not a second wave. It's a continuation of the first wave. So I'm yeah. really trying to be patient. My I mean, I'm doing like a full time job now. My body's tired. I can't tour, I can't play shows. Zach and I can't play cover gigs. It's getting we've to canceled that point like again. three or four at this point. Just um, like out of like safety concerns because like like we were talking about earlier, the weather's so bad here. Everybody's been forced to move outside. And when the weather's bad, like, what do you do? You try and move inside and we're at like a 25% capacity. It's just not fun. It's not conducive to a good time. It's really just like forced fun. And who likes forced fun? Nobody. (laughs) Nobody. Yeah, it's true. You know, we've been lucky enough to have some gigs over the last few months. Um, the first one we did was for the DNC. Um, oh, that's right. Really, right. really wanted to do something for the election. And um, we got to August and we kind of figured out, or I guess July, you know, our production manager, our tour manager fig- figured out a really good COVID strategy. Um, we hired a COVID officer and the crew got tested a lot. Um, and we managed to have a really successful first covid era production for the dnc um and that was really a good test run for us to see what was possible um what it was going to look like to safely shoot stuff um and you know we've gone back and forth to la a few times now to do we just did a huge live stream show um where it was um augmented reality live stream so Mm -hmm. that was pretty incredible um that was at the end of October, I think. Um, that we rehearsed for for a few weeks and then had, you know, the live show. Um, that was something that was totally new to most of our crew um, and to Billy and and Finn and, and Andrew, the drummer. So that was really fun thing to uh, finally get to work together with the whole crew again. Because a lot of the things we've been doing since August were skeleton crew and that yeah. In for and then um we've been doing some late night shoots we when we go out there we try to shoot a bunch of things at once while the crew's out there um so it's been good it's kind of keeping everybody sane to have a little bit of work now yeah Yeah. was there involvement with the uh, tiny desk show were you involved in that at all because i know that wasn't at their studio for npr no i i wasn't involved in that at all i actually haven't seen that yet but i've been told it's really awesome it's Um, pretty good yeah. yeah Yeah, so that I don't think required much production at all. So no, not not really. Hey, you have a camera, like that. yeah, <laughs> exactly. And Billy and Finn are really self sufficient too. Like they're able to like just do stuff on their own really easily. So, um, you know, they don't necessarily need us for for stuff like that by any means. So, um, yeah. True. No, but I'm, I'm glad that you're doing well. Uh, the success that you've done, like, uh, have been doing since I've met you back in 2017 is very inspiring. So it's really cool to see other friends in the industry, like, like really hit that milestone. Yeah. And when you look at back yeah. from afar, it's fucking awesome. I'm oh, super stoked that's... for you. Yeah, that's really the best part of like being in my 30s i think is finally seeing all my friends starting to succeed after working so hard for 10 years or so you know it's 
it's a really cool thing about getting older. So it's one of my favorite things about the music industry is just seeing where people go and, and, um, you know, where the journey takes them. So mm-hmm. you never know so many different ways you can go about it. God, you really never know. That's the thing. <laughs> it's totally insane. But yeah. So, and it. who knows where it goes from here. We'll see. I mean, it, things are going to be different when we get back out on tour, I think. So it's, it's always something new. Yeah, I want to. I want to say this right now. I think MCR and Billy should tour together, but that's just me. Hell, um, <laughs> that would be the biggest fucking emo world tour ever. Oh, he's so sick. <laughs> I love it. If I were in charge of any of that, I'd make it. <laughs> that that is one hat I don't wear. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> but uh, but I appreciate you coming on. This was super cool to talk to you. It's good to see you yep. like, after all yeah. these years. Um, it's great to see you guys and uh it's always good to catch up with an old friend so uh, yeah it's great too um but stay safe out there best of luck with everything uh to your family and significant other so thanks that's yeah awesome. same to you guys